If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, Sending out good vibes. So whoever drew it, been behind a microscope and recognised that cave spider as being special and having its reproductive organ on the end of its leg. Okay guys, welcome back to the Grammaric Show. We are going to be chatting with Edmund Marriage a little bit later. Uh about all sorts of fun stuff. Golden Age Project. The Golden Age Project. Kind of fits right in with a lot of Randall's work, really. He does. It does really fit in with Randall's stuff. It's kind of all over the map along that sort of line of Younger Dryas stuff. And it just, like, it fits in there. Sort of hand and key. Atlantis and the Azores. Bing, bang, bong. Uh, yeah. Good one. Fun chat. You guys should enjoy it. We got uh, Graham... Semi-retired leap of faith podcaster <laughs> Dunlop, how's it going? I wish buddy? you could say semi-retired because it's really like this is like a start of a whole new sort of career. I mean, it's really like I wish you could say semi-retired. Is there a different word for it? I mean, the exit strategy, maybe out of the out of the daily grind of the nine to five. You know, I mean, here's the thing: I'm, we're working all this. You were talking about the other day, like you're like if people only knew how hard you work, right? <laughs> <laughs> Two jobs, basically. Well. More than two jobs, if you count all the things we have going on here. But it's like, you know, you're always teaching yourself to do something, always working at something. But, you know, like, I've, yeah, I've got, uh, we did, it is a leap of faith. I quit the full-time job. going to stay part-time for a you're while. But, you know, it's not extinct- like we can. It's you're not, at a countdown to extinction. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we're, that we can actually well, just we do that. We should put a clock we're, on we the are, website. Count, yeah. Countdown to extinction. Yeah. Someone messaged the other day. They were like, uh. You guys, uh, I remember when I thought I was going to get a name on the wall for oh, that's right, eleven hundred and eleven supporters, and uh, it yeah. was a scam. Yeah, and I said they, we, I, we're not there yet. They, they, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I was like, I could add up both shows. We're not at eleven hundred and eleven. Yeah. No, I mean we're not making enough to do that right now. But we're, I, I can, I'm trusting that it's that it's going to happen. Well, I you've mean, been able to save a bit of money, and you, you have a super pathetic lifestyle <laughs> just squirreled away what? you really you really what? sorry that came out wrong that came out wrong <laughs> that's terrible that, dude. Uh, you've really let's say you've really found your stride in the lockdown <laughs> well i have i've been reading lots of books honestly i read like two or three books a week it's hard to get you out of the house i read two like i'm reading we do two shows i a remember week. a time when it was hard to pin you down yeah it would be like hey dude we do an interview. It's like, oh, dude, I got running class, and then hockey, I got yoga, hockey. I got yoga, D and D, bro. I got yeah. That be next week. I'm now like, I'm just like, up. now I just want to stay home and read. Now I just read like, books. No, no I'm man. reading the so I'm reading the secret. It's really rather. It's good when I have to do something because I just know you'll be home. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I need a hand lifting a, a washer and dryer anytime. Yeah. Just let me know. I'm home all day. Yeah. <laughs> he, gets, <laughs> he gets that text anytime. Just let me know. I'm home all day. Yeah. <laughs> So I've been reading The Secret Doctor in the book, too, and it's fantastic. I mean, it's talking about giants and dragons and, and Atlantis and Lumeria. I mean, it's it's really deep and a lot of it's over my head. But, you know, I mean, but this is, you know, we've got lots of books to read, audio books to read, but also books to read for the show. I mean, I've got two or three books on the go all the time. So it's I'm a just, great quote. What? A lot of it's over my head. It is. <laughs> Not just because I'm 5'6", but can, it is. That could be your quote on the back of the book. <laughs> From the narrator. A lot of it's over my head. <laughs> I'm waiting until the, the second half of the book's going to be better. It's the commentaries on the stanzas that's very hard. But we've got book one out there on audio. Yeah, so and, I'm going to split that I'm, up by stanza, I think. Yes, eh? I can help you do that. It'll um, be parts. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to like doing some more. There's a bunch of books that we want to that we want to publish and narrate on audio, and we don't know how much we're going to make on those books if you know if we even cover our costs. But it's worth the chance. It's worth the try. We, I mean, I really appreciate everybody's feedback and well, the beauty sort of is it saying, doesn't like, cost us any money because we don't have any money, but it gives us the ability to invest time in place of money. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I shouldn't I, say we don't have any money, but we all our money is caught up, tied yeah. up. And any money, new money that comes in is also tied up. Yeah. Yeah. In but I mean growth and expansion and Yeah. But we've had really good feedback from people. I really appreciate all the support. Sab sent me an email recently. He's like, dude, you know, congrats. You deserve all the rewards you can get and uh hundred percent behind your level of concern on the current situation as well. And he said, uh well, not to get into all that stuff, but he said, you do a great job with information, the audiobooks, articles, all the right questions during interviews. So I really appreciate the feedback from people. They've been super supportive. Love it. You know, and we're, we got other shows and shit on the go. I actually made a role playing game too. I wouldn't mind publishing that. I haven't said anything about that on the show, but had a bunch of guys play testing in and it, it seems pretty cool. I don't think it's not going to be like a, a huge thing or anything, but it could be something that also just gets sort of published or we play it or something. You know, I want to, I want to, I got a bunch of ideas like that. Are we going to, so. are we going to, uh, you need a website for your game? I'll have to get a website going for <laughs> yeah, you. I, know. <laughs> I mean, you that's, know. that's what it is these days. You get a website up and you're in business. Well, you got to kind of get, you got to make it happen. Is it a yeah. digital thing, like a PDF? Well, it's, there's multiple ways to do it. I, I mean, do I'm not thinking it could be, your world it, at all. it could be a board game. It could be a PDF. It could be in the infrastructures, the digital infrastructures that are there that people play their role playing games on already, like Roll 20. It's there's a couple expensive. games. Like you should that. go to Dragon's Den. No. Let me see if I can get you on. No, I don't want to. I don't. I just want to do it myself. I don't, I don't want to go on Dragon's Den or anything. No, I just want to see if we can get read. you on Dragon's Den and get you shot down. I just want to get you fucking that would be good publicity. shirt on. We have a good publicity. America hat on. Get Look, you out there. We'll get you a Grimerica outlawed hat. For a million dollars, 10% of yeah. Grimerica. No, no. No, no, no. No, for a billion dollars, 10% of Grimerica. <laughs> I thought you were just gonna just the let's just keep Grammarica out of it. Oh, it's just gaming. It's just, just the game. It's just Grammarica. Grammarica. Just Grammarica games. games. Just whatever the games. Gamerica. And if Gamerica. Gamerica. I guarantee you, we will not get that URL. Um, that sounds like a hell of a game, though. <laughs> uh, Anyways, I mean. There's lots to do. So, and we're just trusting it's going to work. And I think it will. So, oh, I think you'll be fine. Yeah. If not, we'll find something for you to do. Yeah. 
Are you back? The Outlawed Show is going well. I mean, the Outlawed Show, we got uh, what just came out there. We had uh, Michael Wan coming out. I don't we got know, I Gordon put you White. in charge of booking. Gordon, and Gordon like, White coming out. Oh, yeah, we're booked, booked solid until like, like mid-July. I mean, be it's good. fantastic. You know, better well, be good. I got organ harvesting coming up. Some of the heavier topics on Outlawed. That'll be fun. Well, not oh, a fun yeah. one, but we got to get into the residential school stuff on yes, Outlawed I will get too, to, pretty hard too. I'll, we better start chasing that down. Yeah. Um, I'll email somebody about that and we'll get that going too. Yeah, there's some stuff we can talk about. AmericaOutlaw.ca, America.ca slash support. One of those two websites are the best way to, uh, of course, help Graham in his leap of faith. Make sure he doesn't land flat on his fucking face. Yeah. We're going to try and get some money together to buy a trampoline that he can land on or at least a couple of pillows. Mm-hmm. America.ca slash support. Sign up for monthly. At least not a pit with spikes in the bottom of it. So, hey, my buddy Mike, you know him, uh, Vancouver. Sends me sent Wrote that book? No, that's Mark. Mark Alarge. So, Mike, Mike, Mark uh, he's, he's into UFO, too. He's into UFOs and stuff, too. And he he saw this daylight sighting right in Vancouver, right in the English Bay. Can't you just sit leave the It's where UFO. I used to. It sounds, when you say a sighting, it's bad when you say into UFOs right before. He's really into UFOs. Well, because we talk about UFOs all the time. He's really do feels seeing it, UFO. It doesn't. It just like it doesn't matter. It does to though. me. It's just being honest because we're guess, interested in UFO. So he knows. It. So we're he knows that we're. But to he's a up to speed on it, right? It's like to a layman, UFO guy. You're not a layman. Him. You've been talking about it for eight years. I'm now. not. A, I'm not coming from my. I mean, I. The, you don't We've been talking me, about you. Look, don't the, get me started on what. UFO in our graphic. The America show has a UFO attached to the Moai with the headphones. I'm sticking up for the listener. Sticking up for the guy on the other end of the headphones. So he sees this bright object in the sky. Daylight. Venus? <laughs> <laughs> and it's okay. and it's moving around. And he tries to catch it with the camera, with his phone, iPhone. Because you always ask, no that's chance. what you're always gonna ask. You're always gonna ask, so why don't you take a picture? Why don't you take what would you iPhone. do? You had the phone? Why don't you take a picture? He Never sees this thing, iPhone. it's bright, and it must be like a thousand feet up. And it looks like he doesn't know. It's like, what is that? A drone at first? He's thinking it's a drone catching the sun or whatever. It's moving around so fast. He takes pictures of it. And then he brings his phone down to the grass and he puts it back up in the blue sky. And he sends me the video and I and put it on my computer and I'm trying to stop the, it's so hard to even stop the frame where the, where he catches the thing flying. I catch a couple of frames and I send him the pics and he's like, yep, yeah, that's, uh, that's what it is. It moves, it moves so fast. And in one frame, it's three things in the same frame. Fantastic. So I got these little shots of it and it looks like a white orb with a little thing in the middle. It looks exactly like the Navy pilots, what they're seeing and taking pictures out of their cockpit. Well, sure, exactly the same. That's close to the camera. He saw it with his eyes before he tried to take it with the, it's not just like artifacts or bugs close to the camera. No, it's not. And it moves fast. It's like right, in the top the, corner. It's in the top the corner. It's the in the bottom corner. Just it, it's in. The, it's one thirtieth of a second. One thirtieth <laughs> is the frame, and it's barely in a frame. It's it's moving so fast. Fuck, fuck at that. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, send it to me. And, it's, and it I'll happens to look exactly like the the thing. So it makes me think because, I mean, I'm pretty skeptical of all that Navy stuff and all the official stuff. And and he really stays on top of all that. I've expected the, to see All the Navy stuff. So, now. I mean, it's great to see like a friend capture it, see it first, capture it, send it over, and it looks exactly the same. It's like the same orb. Now, I don't know if that's the tic-tac-shaped one or the other more modern or more uh, uh, recent sightings from the from the Navy, but you know, to me, that that sort of corroborates what they're saying. And I mean, that doesn't mean I don't question why they're coming out with it right now and why it's a big deal right now all of a sudden. Because obviously they've been seeing stuff for decades and decades. But it's it's cool to have somebody you know corroborate exactly what they've seen. There you have it. And what could First it be? hand. That uh, must be alien. So, yeah. Anyways, I've just been excited to talk about that today. I've been waiting all day. <laughs> all weekend to talk <laughs> about it. I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> we got another uh, couple UFO guys coming on the show, too. Talk about that. And that'll be coming up. Excellent. Yeah. I can't wait. It's always fun. You know, I've expected to see a UFO. I've been in the bush a lot. See a lot of planes. Yeah. Mostly planes. Yeah. Speaking of the but, bush, are you? Uh, did you go out to the bush this weekend? You fish at all? I thought I you were going fishing. fish. Did you catch anything? I caught some fish. Yeah, what'd you catch? Pickle. Pickle? Walleye. What is, same oh, old. Walleye? Is same, same as pickle? stuff I always catch. Really? But those are good eating though, to aren't catch they? Some, yeah. I was hoping to catch some rainbow trout, but I didn't. Right. I seen some moose, but it was pretty late. Oh, you saw some moose. Wow. I seen two. So you're going out. You're going out hunting this weekend. I'm gonna go back Friday with more people. It was just me and Natasha. The moose is a big animal to deal with. That. That's a lot. To start Especially if it's late yeah. at ten o'clock oh at night. God. Oh my god! There's no way. Be up yeah. At night. Yeah. So well, I'm gonna head back out this Friday. Brady's excited to go. Really? Yeah. Wow. He'll be coming along. Of course, Miles is coming along. I'm not sure if you're coming along. I'm. I'm pretty scared. Scared. Yeah. What are you exactly scared of? Well, I'd rather be at home raiding. You can hold a shotgun if you want. <laughs> no, you. I don't. Actually, I don't want you to have a gun. <laughs> Do you wear bright colors or camouflage? I don't even have the gear for it or anything. You just wear whatever you want. I yeah. Don't know okay, you're gonna tail. You that. can tail behind you and Brady. Okay. Can I videotape it or something? Or? You can be the cameraman. You and Brady can be the camera crew. Has a. When you just can just hold, sneaking along, being the camera crew. You can talk about what's up. Can I like? Can I just not look when you pull the trigger? Sure, you can do you do you, but I'm not gonna hold your eyes open. I'm so are you going gonna... for a moose, like something big? Moose, or... Yeah, it'll really? probably be a moose. Ugh. Feel sorry for the moose. Right. It'll be an experience for you, an experience and a half. Yeah, I know. And you know what? It's a good experience to have right now because one day that might be where we're at, just out there hunting to survive. <laughs> and then you will get your exercise, humping meat out of the bush for yeah. several hours. Yeah, under. Fear of bears. Really? Yeah. Ooh. I know. I heard uh, bear attacks recently. Yeah. That's up in Wipers. We're not near that. Yeah. We're going to be down south. I but mean, we got, got a bear guns, gun. Anyways. We got a bear I'll gun. Bring, can I bring my bow and arrow then? Uh, you better not. No. It's a lot of pain in the ass to carry Well, and we're actually thing. hunting. You're yeah. actually hunting out of season with Indians. Right. So it's, you're, just, you're just walking along. You can, uh, you're not allowed to assist with the hunt until the animal is dead. Oh. So don't be like, hey, there's a moose. But it'll be all right. We'll be able to do splitting up as well because Miles is coming along and he's uh, 
also an Indian. He's bringing his rifle. So um, I'll be able to flank, flank, just go into two separate spots and uh, hopefully communicate somehow. Maybe I should go get some radios this week. That'd be fun. It'll be fun for you. I think you'll have a good time up until the animal gets shot and uh, it all gets very real, very fast for you. But I think it'll be cute if you like throw up or something. We'll try and get I'm not going to get sick. I'm fine. I got a good constitution like that. It's just, it's just hard. But I'm eating lots of meat. I mean, I was on a carnivore diet, so I got to get the grips with it. I got to get grips with it. This will be very, uh, it'll be good for your soul. Yeah. So you're in? I think so. I got to, I got to, I got to see. I got to see if I can finish reading those books. We'll get to it. We need to get those done too. I will uh, try and catch up on the editing, but we're going to have to teach you how to edit soon, too. I got little emails from feedback here. Little emails. What sort of email? What kind of jingle would one play for your little email? Just a little feedback, soundbite. And now another edition of the Grime American Goodies by the people. This is from Nebraska, Message Buddy. I just want to say thanks to my two favorite podcasters on this Earth Rock disc, whatever it may be. The content is great. Looking forward to the outlawed section. As always, keep up the grind. Hope it is paying off for you too because it really helps me get through my days of running my own landscaping, land service company by myself. Y'all keep me laughing and questioning everything while drudging through the work week. Best wishes from Nebraska. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be your favorite. Oh, we had another, we had some other good feedback too. Did we talk about it on the other show or... um... Which, Do you remember uh, that <clears throat> feedback you sent me? I'll find it quickly here. <clears throat> I send all the feedback to you. Do you? If I get it via email, usually, yes. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll read the mail, but there hasn't been anything at the P.O. box as of late. A couple I know we're books. waiting for a couple of books, but they just take I so long to, I keep forgetting to do a shout out to uh, who is it that keeps sending us the like little homemade magazines. I don't know. Yes, you do. I Just a little message here from Ash Mooney. Dudes, I swear you're one of the only things keeping me sane. Thank you. I gave you. I gave you the copies of it. The magazine? The little, it's like little paper paranormal booklets. Recently? They come in every once in a while. The Observer? I don't remember. The Paranormal Observer? Maybe The Observer, yeah. I'm not, I'll have to look. I feel bad. Anyways, keep sending them over, yeah. Keep sending them. We do like them. There was a thing that said to let you know if we liked them. We like them. I will find them, and we will give you a proper shout-out. Yes, we will. We will. It's probably in that stack of books over there. We will donate to you if if that uh, such a thing is possible. Uh, Where were we? Mr. Constitution? That's about it, I think. I can't be about it. I cannot be about it. Uh, What else you got? All right, I'll come up with something. This is what you got? You're podcasting full time? I got- <laughs> bingo, bingo, social media jingle. I, I got a synchronicity read from the chats, but I've decided I changed my mind. It's a bit heavy. Imagine if he was still working on me like a seven minute intro. <laughs> I, I wondered if you'd pick up on that or not. Yeah, you can send uh, synchros to the chats for sure. 
It's my turn now, though. Okay, go for it. We got uh, from Phil Laborde. This guy, Randy Powell, is insightful. This stuff is incredible. Of course, that's on the Vortex Math episode on the jo- Joanne DiMaggio. You should ask her what EC research. Why would you ask us to ask a question like fucking three months after the interview? That's okay. It's for us to read and maybe ask next time. What is it? Okay, you should ask her what EC Research Group has got to do with Egyptian antiquities and the Sphinx. Trying to write that down or something? Yep, I got it. Ah, Sarah Salter Kelly. That hasn't come out yet, has it? No, it's coming out next week. All right, I'll read the one from this chat from Rowan O'Neill on the live stream. I wonder if the Shining Ones referred to hair color as Sumerian kings called themselves the kings of the black-haireds. Did they leave and end up in Angle, Netherlands, slash the Angels Anglo? So, the Shining Angels were dispersed by something and went around the world. Did they end up and went, did they end up in Northern Europe? And is this what Hitler was on a boat with the master race. Wow. Let's not go there. Let's just not go where? Or do we find a subject that is taboo? Actually, I guess we found a bunch of subjects that are taboo in Gramerico, and that's why we had to start another (laughs) another pocket. Well, I guess not taboo so much as uh, just, uh, what's the word for? Controversial? What's the word in Orwell when you can't say with stuff? Wrong speak. Wrong speak. Wrong talk. Wrong think. Wrong think. That's what it is. I'm just looking for my Facebook app to see what's on there. Okay, well, I got some synchros from the chat. Well, you can wait your turn now that you said you had nothing. All right. You gave up your chance. Okay, we got... I should have just let you... Hey, did you say they're bailing out... Did you see that they're bailing out Bezos? What do you mean? They're uh, giving them $10 billion. $10 million? Billion, with a B. Because they felt bad for giving Elon the space contract. So Senate has decided that they have to give Bezos $10 billion too. Isn't that no. great? I'm, so I'm dead serious. No. I'm dead serious? I feel sorry for him because he split up with his wife a couple of years ago and he does not make it enough with Amazon and all that? Or? It's something like Isn't he like last- one of the richest... Like people since the whole the COVID lockdown and all that? 15 years, he's added like $118 billion to his wealth or something. That's good. I think it's good. Maybe that'll wake people up. Maybe the people realize how bad the system really is. I don't want to get negative though. Let's we'll stay wake positive. them up and then they'll cake them up. Actually, no, it's usually pie. <laughs> in Alberta, in Canada, we use pies usually. That doesn't work though, because that just that just made him get his security guards, and then he I stopped know, traveling in the public. So don't do it. Don't don't you do it? Don't do what? You'll get kicked off of everything if you start. Uh, uh, what's it called when you promote violence? Promoting violence against people. <clears throat> Incite. Inciting. Don't yeah. incite. Don't you do it. Why would I do I'm telling you not to do that. I'm telling you don't throw pies. Don't throw pies. It's not on the show. Don't throw pies. You can't, you shouldn't incite anytime. Well, it's not good. I don't know about that. Why? It's just not good. Just don't incite at all. Take the, the Gandhi out. Where's Gandhi now? He's all Gandhi. <laughs> Nothing to show for it. So 
If people put synchros in the chats, I'm there. You might read. You might read them. I'm a rambling gram with synchronicities all over the web. And Aaron is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. <clears throat> and I do, uh, I, I, I don't participate in the chats as much as I probably should, but I do love going back and reading through. Because you're busy on I Discord just... and D&D chat? No, I don't do Discord anymore. Do you quit Discord? Not officially, but I don't go in there. When was the last time you were in there? Uh, Today? A few days ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that. I'm still in all those channels. I just don't read them all. But I do have lots of Telegram going on. I bet. You're just fucking thumbing away. No, I'm trying not to doom scroll, dude. That's, no? But our chats, there's fantastic conversation going on there. I just go back and smile and laugh and go back. They're getting back. Yeah. This is, from, this is from Blake Hart. So I'm getting... Two Tylenol for my 84-year-old mother-in-law. My wife and I fix her morning beverages. I'm putting together her water, and my wife is pouring her daily morning Coke. As I'm getting the Tylenol out of the bottle, one drops on the top of her water container, flies through the air, and swishes into the hole in the Coke can, barely skimming the top of the hole to make a sound. I would have tried to have done that, though it would have taken forever, if I would have tried to have done it. The bounce at the top of the water container went about a foot toward the Coke. We were both standing 90 degrees at the countertop in the kitchen. I immediately recognized the occurrence as somewhat of a miracle. <laughs> My wife has a weird reflex as denying that it has a weird reflex as denying that it was a big deal. And I challenged her on it. She is my devil's advocate and always challenging my take on things. So I asked why, why deny that it was a big deal and that it was just a normal work a day interaction. Am I, <clears throat> in my humble opinion, you have to open your eyes to the miracles that happen every day and what the universe is showing us. It has, it was so random and unbelievable that I think she just has a tremendously difficult time accepting that the world is a far crazier, weirder place than we have been led to believe. And to quote McKenna, the world is far weirder, crazier place than we can actually conceive of. That's a tough one to rate. Uh, you don't need to read it. <clears throat> and then Jaybird Jaybird pipes up. I think up. I know what the sign is. Don't drink Coke for breakfast. <laughs> this, this is the this is the hey, it's working. She's eighty four. <laughs> no, no, I don't think the Coke was for the eighty four yeah, yeah, year old. Wasn't yeah. it for his wife? No, I don't think so. His eighty four year old mother has drinking a glass of Coke a day. I, think, I don't know. I and think she's so. Yeah. Kicking well, at eighty four. Yeah, it's probably good. It's probably killed off a bunch of things in her. Wow. So Jaybird pipes mind. in. I once tossed a tube of drywall glue through a stud wall on the job site, hit the floor with a thud, then no sound after. It was a stack of drywall against that wall, so couldn't see the tube of glue. Thought it odd, only one sound, so I went to investigate. The tube was standing upright. <laughs> How that happened, I have no idea. The tube of drywall glue is like an oversized tube of caulk. It's sane. Insane, he says. The guy I was working with, <laughs> had about a mental breakdown. Don't think he was able to process what had happened. <laughs> Don't know if someone's just in there and they just like <laughs> set it there and ran out of there. And just... 
I'd like to think I would do something like that. And but you have to be able to walk away and not not watch the joke. Again, unrateable. Yeah. No, I didn't expect you to rate him. I want to know who's drinking the Coke. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Uh, Seriously, there's never been a more important time to head over to grimerica.ca slash support. Sign up for a monthly if you're getting some value from the show. If the eight years of effort have added any. Oh, here's some. Well, support the show, grimerica.ca slash support. Please, this week, if you can, when you can, if you haven't yet, if you've been thinking about it, if you're on the fence, Go to the website, grimerica.ca slash support, sign up. Go to grimerica.ca, sign up. What are we going to do with episode 500? Oh, geez. This is 496. So Holy, yeah, we got we another gonna month. Are we going to do a call-in show on the Rupa Loop <clears throat> yeah, radio maybe, station? Yeah, sure. Maybe. As long as it's not a shit show. I think it's guaranteed to be a shit show. But I think uh, they'll have like some sort of delay <clears throat> if it gets crazy. But it'll just be us. Yeah. And a call in show. Yeah. So I'll talk to Rupa Loop to get sure. that set up. What do you think? It'll sure. be a Saturday. Okay, that sounds good. All right. I'll put it in the calendar. Late I night got another Saturday, one. I gotta read another one here from the chat. This is a good one. Uh, I'm like Please? wrapping up. I know, it's okay. I got one more. You might want to like read wrapping this. Wrapping up. All right, fine. It better be good. I have a synchro. This is from Howard Moon Thoughts. I have a synchro that goes back a while. I was 16 or 17, so June of 98 or 99. I've never been interested much in horror movies. Just don't care for them. Either do I, actually. I had a, I had a zombie attack dream last night. Because you're fucking dude, into this deep, is, bro. No, I'm not, dude. Yeah, I just Mr. read all those I articles. I, <laughs> I just read all those articles from the CDC, and then I had this crazy dream. Dude. It was like a full-blown adventure apocalypse. dream. It was a full-blown adventure dream. Yeah, let's not talk about Did it. Did you win? I was doing good. Yeah, I was alive at least for quite a while. Bow and until arrow. The end. Um, I don't think until I found my bone arrow. If you no. weren't alive at the end, then you did do good. <laughs> I found food and water. Like, that's what it boiled down to. Like, it was boiled down to, like, food and water. <laughs> well, that was probably a sign for you. Yeah. That I should go hunting. That you should have some food or water on it. I do. How much? Two weeks worth. Two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> All right. What are you going to do after that? Come over here. No, no. We get shot. <laughs> <laughs> Up to this point, I had never viewed The Exorcist. It had been lauded as a classic. And at that time, I was, at the time, I was very much interested in important pieces of pop culture. <laughs> As I mentioned before, horror films have never been my thing, so I decided to watch it in the afternoon. In my bedroom, everything is all fine and great until the scene when Reagan is possessed and her bed starts shaking and moving. At this point, my bed starts moving. I was home alone and past it of nervous tension. Then items on my shelf started to fall (laughs) and more pronounced movement. I immediately jumped up and went outside until my sister came home. I discovered later that an earthquake had happened hundreds of miles away in Ohio, and what I experienced were the tremors. Holy fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Right at the time when you finally decide to watch The Exorcist? (laughs) I mean, much. I'll give that a 7.7. There you go. Uh, So next week's intro should be fun. It'll be a report back on Ground's first hunting experience. Well, it's not my, I don't think it's my first, or maybe it is. You should know. 
If I you must don't have thought I was a kid or something like that. <laughs> no, I didn't. I can't, I don't know. I, I can't help you. Maybe your mom knows. How's your mom doing? Uh, she's doing well. Yeah. Yep. Yep. She's doing well. She's getting the draining tube out. It looks like, uh, it looks like the operation went well. They took the tumor out, this cancerous tumor, and she is still waiting to hear back from the oncologist, which is kind of frustrating for her because she's waiting like uh, basically two months since she found out that she had cancer for an answer. Um, I think around June 10th, she's going to get an answer. But uh, physically, it seemed to be okay. I guess they're just doing the, what do you call it, the pathology or the molecular type molecular. thing to see if it went to the lymph nodes or not or Wow. But it's, it's so that's been a little frustrating with it for because she can't even talk to the doctor, right? They even though she can't go in for an appointment because of COVID, they still can't even just Zoom get on the phone, in. right? You know, well, they're like, on the beach, the beaches are quiet. A, oh, hmm. there's some good vibes for your mom. If Maria supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> and that's about it. That'll play us out into enjoy the chat. With Edmund Marriage. Tonight we've got Edmund Marriage with us. He's the principal of the Patrick Foundation and the creator of the Golden Age Project. Thanks for joining us, Edmund. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating chat. We've been really interested in, in these topics recently. We've had a couple guests on talking about uh, the alternative history, let's say, and, and how far back it really goes. So um, we're looking forward to learning more about the Golden Age Project and and what you've got, uh, you know, all the research you've done and the website that you have. Yes, well, my work is based on um, the work of a marvellous man and his wife, and he's called Christian O'Brien and his wife Barbara, who was, in fact, my mother's first cousin. And um, I literally um, wanted to find out about early agriculture because I was a, a if you like, a professional land and wildlife manager and spent most of my life working in the countryside. And so I rang him up and uh, he said, you come and see me. Um, he knew all the, a lot of the answers and I was absolutely staggered to see the amount of work that he'd done during his retirement between 1972 I saw him in about 86, sorry, 96, he died in 2000. But he wrote um, 
three or produced three very important books. One was called The Genius of the Few. The second was a masterwork called The Shining Ones. And The Shining Ones were exactly the same people as the Elohim, which was a word for a singular God. But in fact, it was a plural word. Um, and the Elohim were the shining ones. And he opened up that whole avenue of knowledge um, from the earliest records, which were actually the Sumerian cuneiform records, which were lodged by Professor Barton um, in about 1901. And Barton finished uh, his translation in about uh, 1915. Um, but he only really could understand a few of the cuneiform words. Now Samuel Noah Kramer, the great specialist, said in 65, he said he hoped that somebody would be able to translate the cuneiform so that we could find out what the Sumerians were saying about their history. And this is a task which Christian O'Brien took on. Um, his incredibly bright, clever man, he received a, um, a CBE, um, he had a degree at Cambridge, um, and he um, came the head of the oil operating companies in Iran because of not only great success in discovering oil in Canada for BP, but also um, the oil in Libya. So he was a, um, a brilliant uh, specialist uh, archaeologist in and 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 in terms of understanding geology um, he was light years ahead of most people how did he get uh, interested in the myst in the mysteries and the tablets well he always had that um, feeling of wanting to learn more about all the subjects he was dealing with and uh, it, what he really realized was that we had a fantastic history about the human race, which has lodged with the people who settled in the area of the Tigris and Euphrates about 5000 BC. And from that area, we get the migrations to China uh, and we get a hundred words of English are basically Sumerian words. So that was a very important point. But we had to go back and look much further to southern Lebanon to see where these stories came from and who the people were who produced that information. And they were uh, called the Elohim. Um, they had a settlement um, west of Mount Hermon um, in a... In a a uh, high mountain plain with a reservoir and lakes and canals and the basic story of the Garden of Eden and the river going out. And the, the story really was about the irrigation channel um, part being parted into sluices and irrigating the area which was very fertile and rich for farming and that was really the story of the garden of eden and the river that went out uh, of eden into the garden and um, the cuneiform records gave us very accurate unbiased um, practical information about 
farming, um, dealing with people, dealing with problems, dealing with livestock, dealing with the local tribesmen, etc. So for the first time ever on this planet in recent times, we actually had a very detailed record of really clever people restarting agriculture and civilization around about um, the end of the Younger Dryas, which is 9,500 BC. And the two key sites were at Jericho, which is the oldest town, and the Levantine Corridor, where we find nearly all the domesticated crops and animals. And the site below Mount Hermon, which was their headquarters high up, um, well protected from floods and weather, um, but extremely rich soil um, and a place where everything started as far as uh, the Elohim were concerned. And, of course, in our biblical records, we talk about the gods, but the gods were the shining ones, the Elohim, the watchers um, and the angels. In fact, the word angel actually means, it translates as en which means lords of the cultivation. Now, watchers were a third order of craftsmen, and you had others involved, but it was a very disciplined group of people who uh, learned very well the importance of surviving and making sure that agriculture thrived because that was the means of feeding people. Um, during the great Younger Dryas Ice Age, at places like Goboki Tepe, which is one of their bases. They had to live off hunting animals, uh, killing animals that were in the valley below, which they could see on the migration routes. So the very first air, uh, uh, job they had then was to be hunter-gatherers and um, find the antelopes and the animals that survived the very cold weather um, and uh, uh, and collect the meat and, and eat that meat as their principal source of food. Um, they clearly had been operating very efficiently much earlier uh, on the planet, and the primary source for that was the area of the Azores. And this is an area which Christian O'Brien spent seven months in total looking at all the geological features and using the Portuguese undersea charts and identifying the area of the Azores, um, an area of land above sea level, uh, the size of Spain, and which was, in fact, the island of Atlantis. That's a very important point because a lot of people have touched on it, but he was the first person with the what I call the necessary skills to make an assessment and finding hanging riverbeds, for example, um, which showed that the whole area had sink, sunk um, in the south by uh, 4,000 feet and in the north by 2,000 feet. And they, that sunk at about, um, I think probably the date was 10,850 uh, when we were hit by a massive uh, salvo of heavy cometary debris coming in over the North Pole area. The Torrids? 
Yeah, uh, yes, that's right. It's part of the Tourids, probably. But there was a supernova explosion, very well recorded now by Richard Firestone and his team, um, of a supernova explosion at 40,000 BC. And, and that led to a flash which killed all the large mammals and animals um, at that date to 40,000 BC, and we lose the um, very large uh, mammals in the Australian area because that was the side which was hit by this, um, this terrible flash. And then we get the three, several stages of debris, and finally the really large lumps of rock, um, massive lumps of rock, coming in over the Hudson Bay area, um, creating very large impacts in um, east of Hudson Bay and in Scandinavia, and objects coming into the Atlantic, creating the Carolina Bays. And uh, I think a lot of the geologists have probably walked around in Canada and seen the very large lumps of rock, <laughs> which were blown out of the ground and, and delivered several hundred miles away at that particular time. That is very well established. And many geologists now have accepted that. Um, and that was a key turning point at that particular time. Geez, Darren, this sounds like exactly what Randall Carlson's been talking about. Like I, but I don't remember Randall mentioning Christopher O'Brien's work. But Well, I know. Well, his theory lends definitely to the comet impacts and I, de I think they found a couple in Greenland too if I'm not mistaken they found a 22 mile and a 21 mile diameter impact craters under the ice which are probably from that would be probably from that same event or from a you know a, a sister event on a different time around the cycle yeah. but it's that same sort of thing and the reason that that he's equating to the Azores being able to sink that 2,000 or 4,000 feet or, or more is is due to the fact that those of those ice sheets disappearing off of the northern hemisphere and dumping into the ocean, which is, A, causing the land to come up more uh, because of isostatic depression and the seabeds to sink more because of the, you know, trillions of tons of of mass transfer. Right, right, and then and then you, you mentioned Edmund before we started recording that Chris, recording that Christopher O'Brien was out in the Rockies checking out how far the Rockies had moved in uh, in sixty million years. But Randall also mentions that one of the big rocks that was uh, was located is just located down south of Calgary here um, in a place I think it's called the is it Okotoks called Big Rock? Erratic. The, the big the big rock, right? It's a big erratic that came from Mount Robson, like. Uh, in the Rocky Mountains, kind of west of Jasper. Yeah, that's, that, I've got a picture of one, one of those big, very big rocks. Um, it's about the same time as the Carolina Bays, um, and lots of evidence. And, of course, the whole of the um, Canada and uh, America was subject to massive floods when the ice water melted, Lake Aggies, for example. And uh, some people, some of the specialists say that um, the whole of the United States was sculpted by water in a very short space of time. Right, right. So the other thing I want to mention about the cuneiform translations and the, and the beginning of the, the re 
the reintroduction of of agriculture wasn't it very peaceful back then too i thought i read something in your in your documents that had a, that it was a sort of a very peaceful sort of one one not necessarily one religion but more of a based on peaceful spiritual principles yeah this is a subject which has come up um because one of the things that we know is that the the druid origins were in southern lebanon we hear in the records that they were missionaries from Sidon. Wow. Um, and the very interesting point is that um, when the Druids are studied, you find that there's a tremendous sophistication and knowledge there. Uh, they've been rubbish by so many people and nobody understands it. It's just <laughs> lost it over time. But the important thing to remember about Druids is that they were people whose job essentially was to stop people fighting and stop war happening. And even the women had that power of standing between two armies. And they'd say, you know, if you want to fight, let's have the leaders and, and you can have a single combat in front of your armies and we'll see who wins it. In other words, um, it was such an important part of civilization that people did not fight because it was totally destructive and, and it, it caused so much suffering. And we, of course, have fallen into that trap over the last 3,000 years or more. So where do we go from here? I mean, the Druids in is southern. When you say southern Lebanon, is that Lebanon as it is today? Like it's still part of. So it'd be right near Israel and Lebanon, kind of thing. Yeah, the 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 the, the shining ones' knowledge um, spread out from that site um, below Mount Hermon, and they had tremendous influence because we find them traveling um, all around the world. And Bradley Lepper, who was one of the great uh, agricultural uh, specialists from Ohio University, uh, made the point that they'd taken farming and all the domesticated crops um, and, uh, and animals as well that got them around the world within a period of 2,000 years. In other words, 9,500 to 7,500, and they're literally spread around the world and you have one of the senior shining ones in china fuxi he was called um, and you have um, extraordinary progress made and and it took pretty clever people to number one produce or carry down with them the important domesticated crops which are quite different from wild crops and when we look at that, we can find all sorts of interesting things like maize pollen being found in a lake bed um, across the Levantine Corridor, very close to Mount Hermon, dated at 7,500 BC by two fantastically qualified uh, botanists called Bottomar and Zeist. And they lost their reputations uh, simply because all the other people said, oh, it's impossible. Um, we got lots of stories like that. Um, I'll also come back to Victor Klub, who was the professor at Oxford University responsible for uh, astronomy, etc. And he was a key 
figure in identifying the Turib streams and the cycles of the Turib streams, which are about 2,000 years. And that's very interesting because we can see that more or less every 2,000 years, that Turib stream comes back and creates real problems. When was um, the last time it was here? The last time the tourist dreams came in was about 2,000 years ago. Oh, of course. <laughs> so we're at high risk now, according to Victor Kluge, and I think he's right. Um, and if we go back another 2,000 years, we're very close to uh, the pyramid time. And the why Bronze did, Age collapsed too? Yeah. And why did, why did they go to all that trouble to build pyramids, which... Nearly all of them, apart from the Great Pyramid, had massive space inside for people to go and take cover. Um, and that was a very good reason for them to spend all the money they had, because they thought they could have a major wipeout. And so that's just one of the interesting things. And you see, you see, um, we had a, a lot of pyramid building at about 1,200 um, B.C., particularly on the, the American continent um, and, in, and in Mexico. And so our ancestors were aware of these cyclical problems. And that explains so much of the work that was carried out so that people could take cover from those kind of cometary impacts. And the whole of our Earth's history has been influenced by what is thrown at us from space. That's very important. That that's, yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, you mentioned on your website about the Australia, no, Austria, I guess the mountains in Austria were part of, they were hit and that might have caused some, because we were talking about that on the show not too long ago about the Bronze Age collapse and trying to look for some sort of, I don't know what the, the mainstream narrative is on why that happened, but it seems to still be a mystery. But didn't you mention something about that impact? Yes, that was that was the Kofels impact, which was three thousand one hundred and twenty-five, um, and that was a massive impact. Um, there may have been other uh, other areas which we don't know about, uninhabited areas. But we, if we actually look at all the big impacts and go back, we've got this two thousand or so year cycle, um, and this is what Victor Klube, Professor Victor Klube, has identified. And it's quite rightly warning us that we should be um, be prepared for the return of the terror from the skies. So it's not every 13,000 years, it's every 2,000 years? Yeah, but the, his, his cycle is about 2,200. Um, and, but, but, uh, Where are we at? We're at that now. We're, we're, we're according to... That we're at a higher risk now than we've been for a long while of more problems. Southern um, Hemisphere and Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, well, we don't know what we don't know where it's going to create problems, but uh, it's an area where we should have a lot more people doing a lot more work and beginning to do, try and understand, at least go as far as Victor Klube understood. Um, it's interesting because Rome disappears, right? Rome disappears like 2,000 years ago, 2,200 yeah. years ago. And there seems yeah. to be some weird like evidence for it to be buried in places, which there's not a conventional explanation for. We do know that there's a crazy temperature drop after that, which an impact would also explain. 
Yeah, we 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 have these um, um, these cycles um, which are red hot subject at the moment because we've got a situation whereby we're all uh, being led to believe that it's going to get um, very very hot and that the climate is the real problem and we've got to change it as if we could ever change our climate and um, the, the key point is being resolved by the Danish Space Agency which Heinrich Svansmark um, and the, he, he wrote a book with the science editor of the Telegraph and the, it's called The Chilling Stars excellent reading for anybody who really wants to understand climate change and he was associating a change in climate with the disappearance of sunspots and the increase of cosmic radiation and that the cosmic radiation when it increases creates larger water droplets and much heavier rainfall which eventually leads to the cooling of the seas and the changing of the ocean currents and that puts us into what's called a more than minimum very cold period and what we're looking at over the last two or three years is the sun absolutely quiet no sunspots a big increase in cosmic radiation and a big increase in rainfall if you haven't noticed it <laughs> and so that's one of the areas which is being totally ignored um, and the other of course crazy idea is that we can uh, co2 is a problem um, man-made co2 is a tiny percentage of a total um, and it's nonsense to suggest that we could have um, net zero carbon um, and uh, people are waking up to the fact that we haven't got any money anyway to spend on it in reality because we've had our covid problems etc um, and we've got an awful lot of silly politicians who want to spend more and more money to attract more and more votes um, and they don't seem to care what happens um, if money is wasted um, or projects are put into place which have no benefit for mankind I mean, it, what scares me is that it's not, I mean, I agree with the, I agree with all of what you're saying. I mean, this is what we talked about before too, with, with guys like Randall. I mean, it's exactly what we're, he's been saying. I mean, if we go to the contact in the castle in the UK, which hopefully one day we get to get, get out there, we want to do some uh, tours around some cathedrals and castles. You're going to have to join us out there. That'd be fantastic. Um, but uh, the, oh, I mean, more, I mean, we're talking about going to the Azores. I mean, it seems like that would probably be a better fit. I mean, we're in the, we're in the middle right now of, of trying to figure out the logistics of going with Randall Carlson looking for Atlantis in the Azores. Yeah. Right. Forgot about that. <laughs> I still want to do a castle trip, too. Doesn't look like the UK is going to let us in anytime soon. Right. But what scares me is that people in power must know about these cycles and they must know about the torrid and they must make, can't, why can't we be tracking it now? Like, why can't we get, we, we can track all these satellites and all these UFOs and all these 
other things? Why can't we track the Torrid? Well, good question, because unfortunately, the I've been involved in politics in much as I've been on the outside and I've been at one or two jobs um, linking with the members of parliament. Oh, I'm um, sorry to hear that. And the, the issue really is that um, um, it's, it's a funny business being a politician because you're looking forward to being elected, you're looking forward to a damn good salary, and you're looking forward to being able to retire with a good pension. Um, and that isn't conducive to making a nuisance of yourself with your other MPs. <laughs> So, uh, if you want to run a country into the ground, you let you let um, too many of the wrong people into Parliament, and that's of course what we've done. We've, we've actually diminished the importance of our constitution that requires a balance between the House of Lords, um, the Crown, and the Commons. And people forget that the Crown is there to represent the best interest of the people. Um, but in reality, the um, House of Lords has been overruled by the Commons and diminished by the Commons because that's the way you win your friends, by promoting them to the House of Lords, basically. And it all leads to incompetence in just about every single department of government, which is a tragedy. If our constitution was properly applied and we would be looking for our very best people to represent the, you know, the situation in the Lords, to represent the service to the Crown um, and the Commons, then we'd have a chance. But we've, we've blown that basic procedure where we led the world in some degree of stability. And if we don't get back to what it was planned to be, um, I don't know where we're going because it just seems to be getting worse day by day. I keep reading a telegraph every day in this country <laughs> and I'm finding myself getting very hot under the collar and worked up at what I regard as utterly crazy people doing utterly crazy things. It's not only there. I mean, this is happening everywhere. Uh, you it's know, Canada's, Canada's just as bad. The States is, is you know, in, in some ways it's worse. In some ways it's a little better for freedom, but it seems to be happening everywhere. It seems to be the plan. I mean, that's what, so, so, I mean, I don't want to get too conspiratorial, but, but knowing sort of All having right. these links to the links to the government for you and having, and, you know, we haven't done any episodes on the deep underground bases and all, but it does seem like there's a lot of people talking about the underground facilities. And there's, it seems to me like the elites know something is, is catastrophe is kind of on the horizon, but we never really get to be part of that sort of planning. You know, it just seems like it'll, it'll happen. They've got their underground bases. They've got their, you know, they know about these torrid cycles. They know about all this esoteric stuff, I think. Yes, I've my route to because uh, I have to do things. My route is to go to what we have in this country, which is called um, a national audit office, and their job is to look at all the money that government spends and to tell the government that it's wasting money. <laughs> and it's a safety valve, and I'm finding that they're being very responsive 
to quite a lot of the things I'm putting, throwing at them. And that's my only hope, really, because I've given up trying to get politicians to even sit down and think about anything controversial because they worry about losing their seat or their position in Parliament. Especially nowadays with this cancel culture, if you go away from I feel like this is what's happening with science in general is and doctors and they, they, they can't we're at the we're at the peak of this cancel culture and the censorship and, and it's affecting the doctors and scientists and and politicians from, you know, just being honest or themselves because they're afraid of being canceled. Yeah, it's it's um we want all the good people we can find to grab these problems and sort them out because I think we're not going to go anywhere sensible until we actually get much better um, people running things. This is what it boils down to. So let's 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 talk a little bit about about the, the book again, the books again, and your website, and get away from the politics for a sec. Like the the the. Uh... What's the main theme? Is there a few main themes like religious, uh, our, our evolution, our, our human evolution, and obviously scientific, advanced, sort of advanced humans? Like, what are some of the themes about how the information in Christopher O'Brien's books and your website differs from our mainstream narrative? Yes, that's right. Um, and that's the exciting part for me because we can learn so much from history and the past. Uh, if we're prepared to really look at it. Um, and um, I had a very successful um, broadcast two weeks ago, um, and um, we had a terrific response in terms of buying books and things. And I think that the tide has turned. I think we're, uh, we're going, we want to look at the truth about our history, history that's been passed down to us. And by understanding that there was an advanced civilization who had sorted out all these problems um, in the past, um, and they were um, the, um, the Elohim, the angels, etc. But of course, their story got completely mangled. And so it's no real value. Um, and we've got so many religions fighting each other now. But when we actually do what O'Brien did, was to look at that history, we actually can learn so much about what we should be doing and where everything's gone wrong. Um, and that's what I hope will happen. And we had a terrific response two weeks ago you know, to the O'Brien books, um, particularly the shining ones, um, and um, I hope that will continue because we really need to learn the truth about the past and not pick up on all the half-truths which have founded us from the time we first go to school to the time we leave our universities. <laughs> yeah. So how about the religious aspect, the Jesus and his brother Thomas and them actually being, you know, into soul yoga and the, and the, like, there's some fascinating religious ramifications too, right? Like Jesus from uh, being involved with the kings of Britain back then. I mean, there's all kinds of information that, you know, is, is fascinating. 
Yeah, that's one of that's one of the things I've picked up and and found it very exciting. You know, you can you start actually with um, Jesus's speech on the Sermon of the Mount, which is one of the very earliest things he did on the edge of the Lake, Lake Galilee. And the one of the great scholars on Druids was the uh, the um, I'm forgetting his name, but he wrote a book on uh, St Paul in Britain, and his name was the Reverend R W Morgan in about 1860. Incredible man, incredible knowledge, and he did the best work on explaining what the Druids taught, what they did all about them. And one of the things he identified very clearly was that the Sermon on the Mount was pure Druidism. In other words, here's a chap called Jesus coming along and giving a, a presentation which was pure, unadulterated Druid teaching. So you have to ask the question, um, where did he learn it? <laughs> Who taught him? Uh, how did he come to be in that position? And and if we look at the the, the interesting story, um, we find that um, he could only possibly have learnt that in Britain, and learning it from a very high position in Britain. Um, and of course, when he arrived in Judea. Uh, even his relatives didn't recognize him. John the Baptist didn't recognize him. And it's my belief that he was sent to Britain by the Roman Emperor Tiberius Caesar to try and bring peace in the whole area of Palestine and Judea. Um, and so we suddenly find links with the court of Augustus in Rome um, and we find a story whereby, um, fortunately, I've been able, I was handed a pre-800 BC genealogy. Um, uh, I was very close working with somebody called Lawrence Gardner. And this pre-800 genealogy came into my possession and it opened up. Um, a whole range of interesting um, issues um, that Joseph of Arimathea was in fact Joseph Haramathea, exalted of a god, which was a title given to the family by the Roman emperors for running the, the trade routes for the Romans. And then you find that Mary um, was um, a, a princess on the line of David um, and, and Joseph Haramathea, in fact, was went back to Moses. And you find that they're the aristocrats rather than people who live um, down on the ground. And uh, you can begin to put together a, a wonderful picture of what was happening, which makes um, so much more sense than what we've been taught by all the various religions. So we have a situation where um, the court of Herod had apartments at the court of Augustus. And we find that Tiberius Caesar, on his return from campaigns, 
in Germany in 88. Um, was in the building at the same time as um, Joseph Ward um, Mary. And there was a liaison which produced twins, which was Jesus and Thomas. And they were eventually, uh, not only were they incredibly well educated at the court of Augustus, and Jesus was the favorite of Augustus, but the sons of the most important king in Britain um, were um, killed fighting in Germany with Tiberius's father. And their father was Tenvantius, who was the most important king in Britain, who had opened up the trade with the Romans. He was based at Wheat Hampstead. And the boys went to be adopted by him at Wheat Hampstead. One of the first things Jesus did at the age of 1617 was led troops and made peace with the Trinovantes who were based at Colchester. And then you had a situation where Jesus and Thomas and the children of Jesus um, played very important roles in partly Romanizing Britain, but certainly bringing peace to Britain. And Jesus was so fully highly thought of by the Druids, that um, when he became eligible for kingship on the death of Tenvantius at the age of 80, um, they promoted him to um, Pendragon, King of Kings of the Britannic Isle. Um, and we have a wonderful story there, which I hope people eventually will absorb and get used to once they realize that what we've been told isn't strictly correct. <laughs> Darren, you might be able to formulate my question a little better about the Roman stuff, but but Edmund, do you think that the Romans took, do you think that they created a lot of the stuff that they say they created, that is that it's said they created, or do you think that they might have inherited a lot of this uh, infrastructure from past advanced civilizations? I think the architecture and their ambitions and their common sense, um, there were a lot of very clever, sensible people putting up wonderful buildings, building canals, building aqueducts, um, and shipbuilding too was a feature, although it was Joseph Harama's family who weren't just um, running the trade routes for the Romans, but they were involved in the shipyards and also the cedar forests, particularly at, at Joppa, which is now called Jaffa. Um, and Jesus's half-brother uh, ran that shipyard later on. Um, and, uh, and Thomas learnt all the practical skills of the Essene, including um, shipwork, stonework, etc. Um, and... Um, that's why he's patron saint of Masons. And there was a time where Jesus and Thomas were in India and in Taxila, which is a centre of Buddhism, with the king who covered the whole of that area. And where the king, first of all, he mistook um, Jesus for Thomas because they were so alike. And, and he asked Thomas what he, could he do. And Thomas said, oh, I, I said, I can build you a palace 
and and I can furnish it. Um, and um, that's basically what he did in southern India. He built seven churches. Um, and um, Jesus and Thomas were very important because they were the people who pushed the what's called the Eastern Church, the church which was based originally at Edessa. Um, and they were um, prominent um, in pro promoting their version of Christianity, which was very close to the Druid, British Druid tradition. Um, I did um, make contact with a marvellous man called Hugh McGregor Ross, who was a specialist in Thomas's work. And he made the point that in the Acts of Thomas, if you go and look at it, it's in St. Catherine's Monastery Library, um, it makes it perfectly clear that Thomas was having regular meetings of Jesus in India. Um, a, a, a church a vicar went to um, record that in about 1904, and instead of translating it correctly, he changed it to that, Jesus, that Thomas was having regular visions of Jesus. Uh, that is an example of how the church has pushed its own line and distorted extremely important truths, which we should all know about. The other thing, too, is, of course, the crucifixion. Um, we actually have, I think, about five of the major historians contemporary with Jesus, who all said that Jesus survived the crucifixion and within days or weeks was teaching his inner circle of disciples, who were, in fact, men and women. Um, and I can go on for a long while on this. The other one, other interesting point while we're talking about St. Catherine's Monastery is that Muhammad came to um, um, that area uh, because um, um, the trade routes um, and uh, the uh, whole concept of what he was doing, he actually went to St. Catherine's Monastery to learn as much as he could about the teachings of the Eastern Church, as it was. Um, so we've got a, a, another wonderful story there in terms of peeling back misinformation and realising, in fact, when Jesus lived to about 80 years of age, he had six children in Britain, three children with Mary Magdalene, and three children with his final wife in Kashmir. But why do you think they want to, uh, is this being sort of covered up a little bit at a time as we go along through history, or is it, or is it intentionally like sort of one big cover-up? I mean, whether it's about advanced civilizations before the younger Dryas or, or about this religious kind of cover-up, what do you? What are your thoughts on why and, and how big is it? Well, I've been lucky because I've been able to spend a hell of a lot of time reading and researching, and I just love doing that. Um, and my life has been... Um, uh, I was trained 
as a land and wildlife manager, a charter surveyor, um, I'm a farm manager. I was involved in all the countryside issues. And and when I rang up Christian O'Brien to find out <laughs> what he was up to, I got the bug. And so um, I've, I just love um, looking at history and trying to work out what's right and what's wrong because um, that's something you have to do if you want to be successful as a farmer. <laughs> um, but we, we, we've... We mustn't criticise people. We've got to be constructive. The worst possible thing people can do is fight one another um, or challenge one another uh, in a a destructive way. And it's so important that our children are educated and have open minds and made to look for the truth, search for the truth if they can. You can't always find the truth, let's face it. But working it out um, and doing a lot of reading and research is actually very rewarding, but you mustn't carry too much baggage with you on that, on that journey. You've got to be prepared to look at all the various angles. And I found the whole story of Jesus and Thomas in Britain and then what they did afterwards absolutely incredible because it, everything fits beautifully into a pattern that makes sense. And so I'm quite confident in sitting here and saying what I think about the situation. That's a good advice. So instead of instead of worrying about why it happened and who did it and how how big the problem is, you, you're just you're shining the light on the truth and saying, hey, this is what we've found. And then instead, you know, be constructive, um, put that all together and hopefully people will see it from that end instead. Yeah, well, that's you know, that's rewarding, and if you can get some of it right, it's extremely rewarding. <laughs> um, so there we are. I'm, I'm, I've put a lot of stuff on YouTube. I've got a lot more to go on, um, and I'm still doing a lot of reading and researching, um, and I shall continue to do that. Um, and I think that. Um, Somebody once said that history is the only true psychology and the true philosophy. And so I think history is important. So what can you maybe run through before we before we let you go? Your website is is a you know, it's it's a tome of information. It's got books and, and indexes and can you sort of guide people a little bit through that on what how much extra research you've done and the books and stuff that you recommend and you know what I mean? The website, which is now 20 years old, and we haven't had to change much, but it's going to be have a major uh, revamp. And I, a lot of people contributing information. Um, and so as we sell books and get some money in the pot, we're going to concentrate on improving that website. But it's called goldenageproject.org.uk. Um, you know, just to put Golden Age Project and you'll probably find it and have a look and have a look at the um, YouTube presentations and there's an awful lot of material there, a lot of contributions made by other people and that will be gradually growing over time. The key books are the O'Brien books. Um, the first read is... 
the genius of the few, which is the genius of the Elohim and all they did in the Lebanon area um, and puts that picture very, very clearly um, and explains, adds an awful lot of stuff. You know, for example, they had a standard unit of measurement, which we still use today. Is that a yard? Um, would that be like the Egyptian yard? Yeah, it's the, the it's megalithic the, yard. Yes, it's the same thing as the Egyptian one. It's a it's a Raymon um, 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 rectangle um, on which all measurement has been based, literally since about nine thousand BC. Um, and that's a key point. It de- detailed in the book, and it ties in with Egyptian measurements. Um, and but we've also got a, a lot of other interesting stuff. We've got Professor Hatwood's works, very important, where he calculated that the Earth had been mapped in great detail in very early times, and obviously from the air. And that was confirmed by somebody called. Reader Brooks um, and others. Um, we also have I have a letter which I send out with the books now of a letter from the head of the Atomic Energy Condition at Harwell, a man called Diamond, confirming with Hapgood that uh, the Phoenicians at 6000 BC were able to heat gold and produce pure gold at 6000 degrees which we've only just been able to do. And then you can go along with the Abram work and look at um, fruit fry chromosomes on the wall at Kettle Hayek, 6,500 BC. And I can go on and I won't any longer, but there are loads and loads of items which are coming out of the woodwork, so to speak, from our history to show that our ancestors and um, had brought this knowledge down from the shiny ones. From the and, shiny ones. So any evidence of where the shiny ones come through? Because I'm starting to get some crazy ideas about the moon lately. Yeah, I, I, um, O'Brien kept an open mind on this. They, were, they certainly had the ability to take to the air, hence the surveying from the air, which is self-evident uh, from people like... Um, Professor Hapgood and all the map making and other features. Um, the, the point I, I prefer to regard them as people who developed on this planet um, because I think it makes more sense. There's so much rubbish being talked about spacemen and um, Nibiru and you name it. I think we've got to keep our feet on the ground. One of the things I like, the story of, which I sometimes tell, is McManaman, um, in the Isle of Man, who had a mystery school in the Isle of Man, and Quetzalcoatl in Mexico, um, they had ships which had no sails or oars, but went wherever they wanted to go. Oh. Just one of the stories. Um and you, you get so much material like this, which is very, very valuable, very useful. The NASCAR lines, you've got a, a spider, which you can only see through a, magnet, through a, a, a microscope, 
um, it has this reproductive organ on the organ on the end of its leg, <laughs> but that's drawn very clearly in the NASCAR lines. Um, so whoever drew it, uh, been behind a microscope and recognised that cave spider as being special and having its reproductive organ on the end of its leg. Um, can you get into more information on the Isle of Man Mystery School? My dad, I think my dad thinks his relatives were, were from there way back when. Or there's some yeah. sort of relation to for my dad and the Isle of Man. Yeah. Mystery well, I think, I think that um, you know, there's a wonderful historian called Barry Dunford who lives in Scotland and identified Forthingal um, as a Druid Academy. It was where Pontius Pilate... I was sent from Europe to learn uh, all about Druidism. Um, and, but he felt that there was a lot more influence in Northern England and, and Northern Ireland um, at much earlier dates, which I think makes a lot of sense. Um, the Isle of Man, um, you know, McManaman ran a mystery school as part of the earliest history um, and, of course, there are very strong links with Ireland and Irish history and Newgrange um, and, and Nauth, etc. And I'm actually planning to go to the Isle of Man, at least to go and look at the site of the mystery school on the southern tip of the Isle of Man, if it's still there, hasn't gone into the sea. Where is that again, part of my ignorance? Is that mm -hmm. like off the UK someplace? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 right off the coast. Is that where there's oh, that like weird random temple in the middle of nowhere, and there's like fuck all else there? Yeah, yeah. And 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 we are thinking that Doggerland, like, was that that was probably made when when there was uh, no water in that area, right? When Doggerland was filled with, you know, when there was, you could go from Denmark to the UK by land. Well, that's another interesting point because. We know that about 6,000 BC, the North Sea um, entered an area of land and flooded it all. But we've only got to look at our continental shelves um, off America, off Europe, and off Africa. And we mentioned Atlantis before, but in two great um, professionals. Um, Alan, uh, Alan um, uh, oh, Delaire, Alan and Delaire, Derek Allen and Bernard Delaire uh, produced um, a very clear map of how much the Earth's oceans and crusts have been exposed. And he actually, actually made the point that that the uh, Africa was actually joined to Atlantis, um, and that um, um, you can see um, uh, a whole new tapestry of land and buildings, etc., uh, under the water. Not so much buildings, but um, um, the whole of the Earth crust, so to speak, has been uh, moved fairly dramatically. Even the Andes have been lifted by many thousands of feet. Um, and so that's, that's another area where we can, we can um, put our hats on and try and think what it was like for the, the people 
20,000 BC, uh, 80,000 BC, 200,000 BC. Um, it's a moving planet, basically. So, Darren, were you asking kind of about what the Shining Ones were? Did you say something about that? No. Well, I mean, all right. I think that... Uh, oh, you were getting I to mean, the moon. I'm okay. getting to the moon because, I mean, the, the further I look at the moon, the, the more clearly it seems to be um, either A, manufactured, or B, like, uh, it's not relativity and there's some sort of size ratio or... You know, there's it's like um, there's just some crazy synchronicities with the moon. I mean, the fact that it's the same size as the sun in our night sky, even though, you know, one's 400 times farther away, but the moon's 400 times smaller. But, I mean, that's nothing compared to getting down to the little things. Like, so the moon, a, a lunar rotation is 27.3 days, uh, 27.3 Earth days. The moon is also 27.321% the size of the Earth. Uh, then you've got an Earth rotation around the sun is 366.259 days. And the Earth is 366.175% the size of the moon. I mean, there's, there's no chance that that is either a not intelligent design of some kind. doesn't have to be a God or gods. It could be maybe a simulation or, or I don't know. Maybe that's how the universe works. But then you get into the other weird things like the moon is 108 moon diameters away from earth or 109 or something like that. And the sun's 109 sun diameters away from earth and, you know, the sun's 109 times bigger than the Earth. Uh, and I'm just wondering how that sort of, that's kind of where I'm getting to on the moon. Because I'm starting to think there's evidence that, that there might have been a retreat to the moon from that Atlantean civilization when they seen the civilization ending uh, impacts coming that were possibly the Younger Dryas. Yeah, what would we do without the moon? The moon's absolutely essential for the tides and so many features. Um, it makes the Earth, doesn't it? Um, so it is an extraordinary coincidence, really. Um, I think it's probably right to look at it that way, but um, I don't know. I, prefer, I, I, um, I, I think it's very, very interesting, and I think you're right to make all those points and to, for us to realise that... What would it be like on this planet without the moon? And uh, one says, oh, one must have been such clever people that they put it there. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I, I don't like going into areas where I cannot back up my thoughts. I like to have good evidence. Um, and the only evidence we know, or the best evidence we have, is that it... Um, incredibly important for all the functions on this planet so would you be uh if, if a, say a few of us were going to the azores with a bunch of people to go look for atlantis is that something you would entertain yes but i, I would suggest you look at chapter 18 on um, the shining ones which you can actually see a section of that on the website um, goldenageproject.org.uk, 
and you can see all the various comments and work that O'Brien did, um, and that is all there to be read uh, in the book or looked at on the website. Um, I think that I, I first put it up in about 2004, and I know that most of Graham Hancock's people picked it up straight away and were telling me that, oh, yes, Atlantis was on the Azores, which, of course, O'Brien established that it was. So it, it's all there to be looked at without going there. It's a very interesting island um, anyway, but um, you need to go along a new road and look up at the cliff to see the Hanging River, um, which is 120 foot wide with waterborne boulders. And, and a geologist will tell you looking at that um, which you could see after the road had been built, that that river must have um, drained an area the size of Spain, and that's on San Miguel. So the geological features are there and explained very well by O'Brien. Um, but you'd have still have a good holiday and some nice deep-sea fishing if you went to the Azores. Sounds excellent. So what about the... I mean, there's so many books on your on your website and, and information that people can go browse. But do, are any of those on audio, or or, or is there any plan on um, getting some of those books on audio, or, or is there? Well, I, I've got I've, I, a lot of them now. There's a lot of books now going in in, in ebook form. I'm trying to get as many of the books in as e ebooks um, because a lot of people want that like that. And they're, they're and they're you know they're selling quite well, um, and so they can even buy a shining ones, which is a, a seven hundred and fifty pages beautiful book hardback. Um, it's forty nine pounds fifty new, but you can get an ebook uh, for sixteen pounds. So for sixteen quid, you can have a fantastic source of knowledge from Christian O'Brien. So so I try and, who's who's got the rights to those books? I have. Do you? Would you? Yeah. If you're interested in doing it on audio, we'll, we'll talk to you about it. Yeah, because we, we Darren is a great editor. We we publish audio books too, so it'd be good to get some of these ancient ancient sort of uh, you know alternative history books on audio for people. Yes. No, I'd be very happy to make suggestions there, and this is what people want to do. Um, um, and with, with technology as it is, it's terrific. Yeah. I, 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 I get a lot of e-books. Um, yeah, I've got quite a big library of e-books. And I see something that looks important. Um, no trouble paying seven or eight pounds or whatever um, to get that on my memory bank, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Searchable. Your searchable memory bank. Yeah, yeah. And it's so valuable having a, a, a lot to read. I know it's time-consuming, but it is important to do your homework and, and read really good books and stick to books which um, where you have a chance of learning something. That's really what it boils down to. Do you have any, any thoughts on Stitchin versus O'Brien? Yeah, I've, I've met Zechariah. Um, and I've had um, 
conversations with Zechariah, uh, he was very put out that somebody was challenging him. Um, he used a lot of inventions. I made a long list, actually, at one point in time. Um, and his attitude when I met him and talked with him was, oh, I got there first sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, I, I really didn't want to take it any further than that. Um, the point is that O'Brien was a Cambridge scholar, um, incredibly successful as an exploration geologist, a man of very high morals and enormous interest in the truth. And that was his work. And I felt that Zachariah was talking about 1950s space technology, um, uh, so much of his material, in my opinion, just didn't stack up, didn't make sense. Um, Nibiru, you know, have we ever found Nibiru yet? Does it really make sense? And, of course, what he was translating, and I went through this, was um, when he said that the gods went to Nibiru, what actually he was taking a translation of Sumerian where the gods went to Nippur. And so he was confusing Nibiru with Nippur, which was the seat of the gods. It was the most important place for the Sumerian gods, and that's it was a Nippur temple library where these very important documents were found by John Haynes' ex expedition from University of Pennsylvania in 1996-98. And that were the key documents which told us all about the Shining Ones or the Elohim. Um, there were lots of other issues which I think let Sitchin down, but um, he made a lot of money, sold a lot of books, um, and, um, you know, we all do our bit, and in those days, there weren't many people there to challenge him. <laughs> um, but, um, no, the search for the truth is very, very important, and um, you, you diminish your reputation if you are fudging it or inventing stuff which doesn't make so much sense. Well said. I agree. Yeah. Well, thank you uh, for coming on the show, Edmund. And uh, do you have a website or something where our listeners can track you down if they want to follow your stuff? I guess I think you, you gave it out a little earlier, but one more time, can we highlight that? Yes, it's www.goldenageproject.org.uk. And you can get me by going into that website and communicating. It's called the Golden Age Project because um, it's my belief, and I'm sure Christian O'Brien's belief, that with this knowledge we now have, we really can create a much better world um, and we can solve many of the world's problems by learning from history. And that's really what it's all about. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thanks for staying up late across the pond. We really appreciate it. Well, it's a great pleasure, and thank you so much for asking me to uh, join in the show. No problem. We'll talk again soon for sure. Sure. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, Darren. Bye-bye. Thanks, Graham. See ya.
Yes. And that was our that was our chat with uh, Edmund Merritt. What do you think, buddy? Yeah, it's uh, it's good. I recommend going to his website, the Shining Ones books, and the the Genius of the Few, and all that. And but there's also just a lot of information on the on the site as well that people will like. Um, there's some uh, there's a key documents area there where they got Earth Under Fire and the Ancient Sea Kings and God's Credentials, Druidic philosophy. Then there's like there's uh, ancient cities like Carsag and Eden and the Survey of Atlantis and the history of writing, words of wisdom. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really cool. We encourage everyone um, to go check that stuff out. Big thanks to Edmund for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Head on over to grimerica.ca slash support if you are getting a little bit of value from our little podcast over here. It's adding a little bit of value to your commute or to your workout or you know, wherever you listen to the show, however you listen, if it's worth a buck a month, two bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, you decide, head over to grimerica.ca slash support today, sign up, uh, support that value for value system uh, model, support us uh, financially if you can, it helps us pay the bills, keep the show going, expand, do great things, hopefully, um, Graham doesn't work anymore, so we need to support his ass. <laughs> Uh, of course there's a bunch of ways in the show notes you can help, help the, help the, um, whatever up to here, the hegemony without, uh, spending any money. You can view the show, share the show, tell your friends about the show, join the chat, spam gram. I think now more than any, any time it's important to share the show. Like it really, this is the time that we need to, cause you know, marketing and there's, there's not a lot of marketing. We're shadow banned and, everywhere. Yeah, exactly. So it's. <laughs> Not even shadow banned anymore. Now they're just like straight up told us that they're they're limiting our posts. Yeah. So, you know, that's really the, the main. It's not like we have a bunch of marketing avenues. So it's really word of mouth. And we really appreciate you guys telling your friends about it. And we love you, motherfuckers. Check out contact at thecabin.com for the trips. Uh, Grammarica.ca slash chats for the chats. Grammarica.ca slash social for the socials. Grammarica.com for the spams. We love you. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. They threw me to the wolves, playing a game, ganging up on me. My game's no rules, but you can't face me, cause I'm crazy. Grooving to the tambourine, riding in my Lamborghini, eating on some tangerine.
the lever But I'm ever more clever She says save me Well alright baby Grooving to the tambourine Riding in my submarine Eating on some laser beams Riding in my Lamborghini Eating on some tan